Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod. <laughs> Where decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And, uh... It's, it's been too long without a deck tale, so here's a deck tale. Woo! Um, for those who don't know, our deck tales are just fancy names for deck decks. Uh, where we just like to share, you know, maybe a story or two as we talk about yeah. it. Um, so today I brought in one uh, because uh, I had some wonderful experiences with this deck. I built this deck specifically for Brucon. Uh, I had taken apart my Bruce Tarl deck before, and now I was like, I need something that's got red, and I want something where I can just put all my good white cards in. That's what this deck is. Uh, that may have answered any questions you have about this deck in just that sentence, but uh, let's go over it. So, off the bat, the commanders, they're partners, but it only makes up two colors. So we've got Bruce Tarl, Borish, Hor Borish Herder. He's a 3-3 three, three for white-red 2. And he says, whenever Bruce Tarl Borish Herder enters the battlefield or or attacks, target creature you control gains double strike and lifeling until end of turn. And he's got partner. And I partnered him with Kedis, Embercloth Familiar from Commander Legends. Uh, he's a 1-1 one, one for red and 1. It's an elemental lizard, and it says, whenever a commander you control deals combat damage to an opponent, it deals that much damage to each other opponent. Uh, so... Uh, these two together, it, it seems like a pretty straightforward deck, right? Um, so, I, I'm guessing most of the time Bruce Tarl is going to give his abilities to himself. If oh yes, Kedis is out there. Yeah. So let me let me paint the scene for you. Set the scene. Whatever the the phrase is. Uh, you got Bruce Tarl down. You know, it comes back around. You play Kedis for two. Now. Right beginning of combat you attack with bruce and he triggers and you give himself double strike and lifelink so he's you know right. naturally a three three so say you attack the person who has no blockers now he has double strike and lifelink he's going to end up doing three and you gain three but then he also does three to your other two opponents so you're gaining three and three again um, and then that happens once more. So overall, let's see, that's three, three, and three, and then three, three, and three. That's six times three. That's 18 life you're gaining. Yeah. Each of your opponents is losing six. That's easily a 24 point swing. Um, right. Which is nuts for turn five. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the the deck revolved around the idea that I would want to be swinging with Bruce. Um, you know, whether I give him haste or somehow multiply how much damage he's doing. Um, but I also, like I said, I also wanted to uh, what did I say? Oh, I also wanted like a home for like some of my like, you know, white white good cards uh that i i had accrued that i just why i hadn't really had a chance to play yet uh and because i hadn't had a deck to put them in uh right but 
think overall, um, the deck, the deck does its thing, or it doesn't. Um, I threw in some creatures to kind of make sure that it it does eventually like have a way to win other th- like if Bruce becomes prohibitively expensive. Um, but uh, I don't know. Um, I honestly don't know where to start. Um, I think. The ramp's pretty uh, straightforward. Arcane Zignet, Keeper of the Accord, you know, generic white card, or generic white good stuff uh, that also helps make blockers. Now, uh, this was a thing that I was I was thinking about uh, today, actually, mm-hmm. in preparation for this episode, was um, if you are, you know, going the Voltron strategy, one of the biggest things that the Voltron strategy lacks is like you are usually attacking with one creature and you generally don't have much else going on uh right but keeper the accord and there are some other few things around here uh help make tokens so then you do have blockers um which honestly is what this is more for than the the land stuff the land stuff's nice uh, but it's it's nowhere near as helpful as just making blockers. Yeah, I was going to ask about that just because a lot of time Boros decks are 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 a go wide strategy, and I know you've got Keeper of the Accord, and I noticed that there's a uh, where is it here? Assemble the Legion is also it's also mm. floating around. Master so of I Ceremonies. Wasn't, I also. wasn't sure. Right, so I wasn't sure if you were looking at at a go wide strategy as sort of a a backup plan. Obviously, Bruce Tarl and and Kettis are sort of working together to do their thing, but I right. wasn't sure if it was going elsewhere as well. Um, it's it's a bit of it's a bit of both. Uh, I would say it's probably honestly more for like a like a insurance perspective, just like yeah. in case Bruce Tarl is out of commission for good, because if you're attacking with Bruce Tarl, and like I said, one attack that gets through, you're going to be gaining. What was it 18 life like you're not terribly worried about the crackback because you're gaining 18 life a turn at least that's like right base. you know that's without any equipment that's without any multipliers um so like it is kind of there as a sure insurance but it is also there as backup in case bruce tarl is out uh, of commission, <laughs> right. um, you know, same kind of same goes with Master of Ceremonies. Master of Ceremonies is also just a really good card. Um, right, you can get uh, you can get uh, creatures out of it. You can get treasures out of it. You can get cards. I mean, honestly, I think that like your opponents will be having a hard time with this card because they don't know, like they don't want you to have blockers but that means they're going to get you either give you mana or going to give you cards uh right so it's it i feel like this really makes decisions tough for them um and then archaeomancer's map i've played this and i feel like it's gotten a little bit more airtime <laughs> than it deserves i think it's a little overrated uh, it is a good card. Don't get me wrong, um, but I feel like it isn't like there's a point where 
generally, or at least in our our power level group, um, our group's power level, uh, Archaeomancer's map. Uh, I guess I'll read the card. Two and a white yeah. for an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, search up, uh, search your library for up to two basic planes. Reveal them. Put them in your hand. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if that player controls more land than you, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. And honestly, like, you're going to get to the... Like, it, it helps you, obviously, if you're behind, but also if you're not the first person. Uh, but then you reach a point extremely quickly where you do have the tide for most lands. Uh, yeah. If you were not already there. Right, now, this is not a ramp card. Mm. This is a card that gets you lands in hand so you can keep up. So you're going to make your land drop every turn. Um, I have found with Ar- with Archaeomancer's map that realistically, I want I want it when I am not the one going first in the game. Yeah. Uh, because well, you and I both espouse the forty land the forty land deck because we want to hit our land drops every turn. Well, Archaeomancer's map is only really good when you're behind so it either if you want it in the early game to keep up then you want to be literally the, the third or the fourth person because you want the players in front of you to be playing their lands and then you can say hey great now i can play a land and, and match up with you for the number of lands mm. so but that only like you said that only works once maybe twice and then you're you're sort of relying on the green player to cultivate and do everything else to find more land so you can continue to match with them. Um, and I haven't found that to happen too often just because for the most part with 40 lands, I've got the land drops. So I just end up with two more cards in my hand that are lands and that can be fine, but it's not always great. So I don't know if this is a case of, um, you know, a card that's best when you're running fewer than 40 lands, but if you're running fewer right. than 40 lands, you certainly don't want to be relying on trying to find an Archaeomancer's map to balance yeah. things out. It's definitely a card that, like, if you have it, it's fine. I think, yeah. honestly, like, for me, it might be more of just, like, a like a, like a lightning rod where, like, right. you... Honestly, it's best to just get the two lands and then not really worry about it. Like, if you're spending more time in the game trying to figure out if you're keeping up on land, like, it's going to attract attention. People are going to get rid of it. And, like, that's fine. You know? Like, by that point, you probably have the same amount of lands. And, like, I I think it also kind of goes to show that our meta doesn't generally have too many, like, lands decks. But I think that, like... As a card, it's a little over overdone. I don't know. Um, yeah, a little bit. I think I think it's a good card. I just don't think it's as good as as it has been portrayed in the past. I mean, we glossed over Master of Ceremonies, and mm. I appreciate that when people read Master of Ceremonies, and yes, that is a wall of text, so a lot of people aren't reading it. But when you read it. The initial thought is, oh, I'm always just going to get what my opponents want to give me. Right. So they're going to look at what I don't need and give me that. 
or they're going to work together and they're going to be like, haha, we'll all draw cards. And then that way, Andy will be stuck with extra cards in his hand and he'll have to discard them. Shucks. Darn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, getting people, four cards a turn. What a pain. People don't realize how good Master of Ceremonies is. And Andy, I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. So in the games where it's come out, how are your opponents deciding what to choose? Because um, when I play it, they pick what they want. Yeah. And I just get off. I, I just get what, you know, whatever they pick. So I, I haven't, I haven't yeah. seen people fighting it. So I, I think that, like, it definitely ends up being that way. I think I've only played it once, and that was when I played the precon that it came yeah. in. Um, and it, it yeah, that's exactly what happens. Um, or at least, like, with our meta. Um, and I think that if you are a generally casual meta, like, that's what it will tend to be. Because, like, people are like like there there's no winning as an opponent of this card um well no i mean i look at this card in a card like ristic study when you read ristic study and you realize okay so i pay or you get a card right well then the choice is you pay you should pay every single time because you don't want to give your opponents cards. And anybody who looks at this card should be saying the same thing. You don't want to give your opponents cards. But in practice, we all know almost nobody pays. Yeah. Everybody just gives you the card. Now, whether it's because Commander is a casual format or it's because people are like, I'm going to spend this two mana on something else. So I am not going to let you slow my board state down by demanding I pay two so you don't get to draw the card. Especially when I know that the guy next, ne- the next guy up, is going to let you draw the card and he's going to be able to move faster and I'm not <laughs> going to be able to keep up. Yeah. And that same thing happens with Master of Ceremonies. Yeah. It shouldn't be that hard for your opponents to be like, look, we should all give him a creature. Yeah. Because he can't do anything with these one ones. They're basically useless. We'll blow through them. It'll be fine. But they don't because everybody wants the card. Or maybe they need a treasure because they're getting land screwed and they wanted just that little bit of help. Nobody's paying attention to you and what you're getting from all of this. Yeah. And it also means that they're much less likely to take out the Master of Ceremonies. They're getting a benefit from it. So at least, as far as I can tell, at least right for right now, people are not playing master playing against Master of Ceremonies very well. So I think this is a great card right now. I love it. Yeah. Um, one that I want to see come out, I have in ramp because, well, it's a very red rampy card, uh, is Descent yeah. to Avernus. Or, sorry, Descent into Avernus. It's two and a red for an enchantment. The beginning of your upkeep, Put two Descent counters on Descent into Avernus. Then each player uh, creates X treasure tokens and Descent into Avernus deals X damage to each player where X is the number of Descent counters on Descent into Avernus. So you're all getting treasure. You're all getting hurt. But it is just moving the game. That's all it's doing. Uh, It's making people, like, 
be later in the game, and then also bringing their life totals down. Um, yeah, says the guy who has the commander who has lifelink. Exactly. Also, the guy who has, and I mean, this is the perfect time to kind of go into my bing bong category, the guy who's got uh, Dictate of the Twin Gods, um, Angrath's Marauders, which is like especially helpful. Yes. Um, and Torbran, uh, which will deal my, which will help hurt my opponents more than it will hurt me. Um, and this category was just, hey, let's just amplify the damage, whether it's Lunar Frenzy, which is my my pet card for every red oh, deck, yeah. um, because it is. It's a one-mana give thing, trample, and first strike uh, in its essence. And if you can use it as a finisher, more power to you. Um, right. You make Bruce Tarl a 3-3 with double strike to, say, a 6-6 with double strike by spending four mana at instant speed uh, with well, trample. 6-3 with double strike. but 6-3 with double strike and trample. But it's not. But it, honestly, it's not going to matter because he's already got the double strike. More importantly, he he hits first, and when you're hitting for six, you're just taking out your blocker. They're not right. going to get a chance to swing back. Who cares if your toughness is only three? They're going to need a six-seven creature to even be able to kill your creature. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh no. And the fact that this is like instant speed. It's a it's a combat right. trick. Yeah. Um. Nobody will see it coming. And, I mean, that, like, you know, like you said, with that trample, uh, or with that with that example, trample just makes it so that, like, you know, even if he's up against a 3-3, three, three, you know, f- first strike right. happens, you get six, uh, it, it sixes it, you, three gets through. And then the second yeah. second one still happens. You know, without oh, trample, that trample second, it, this is here to pump up Bruce Tarl yeah. to win games. Yeah. Uh, same with Teamer Battle Rage. Teamer Battle Rage, you know, it's already got double strike, but really giving it that trample for two mana is great. Um, yeah, you and I have both been big on Teamer Battle Rage ever since we did the Lord of Tressorhorn decks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of this card as well. Court of Ire, excellent card, especially if you've got blockers to make sure you keep the Monarch. You're just doing... You're, you're shocking something every turn for free, or you're dealing seven to something. Uh, probably a player uh, every turn. Uh, Duelist Heritage. Um, you know, the, the more I'm looking at a lot of these cards, the more I'm realizing I'm unnecessarily giving things double strike uh, when Bruce is already doing that. But this is nice, too, because you can target your opponent's creatures. It can be a... Uh, it can be a, 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 a tactical or, yeah. what's the word, political political game. Uh, Balefire Liege, solid Boros card. Uh, Balefire Liege is Boros, 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 hybrid mana. Uh, and two for a 2-4. Spirit Horror says other red creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Other white creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Uh, and guess what Bruce is? Bruce is both. So he gets plus two, plus two. He's a 5-5. Five, five. Uh, whenever you cast a red spell, it deals three damage to target player or planeswalker. Whenever you cast a white spell, you gain three. Uh, that stuff's not going to happen as much, but it is there for lordship and blocking, honestly. Right. Uh, 
Dictate the Twin Gods yeah. kind of goes with Angras Marauders. Really quick it. on Balefire Liege. I have been big on this card since it came out. And this is, we're talking, I think, Shadowmoor. Um, yeah. All of the Lieges, I think, are pre- pretty good. Um, but doing with Boros, it's just... Uh, this one somehow is just that little bit better. Because you're loading up with creatures... Um, and in this deck, I mean, yeah, you really want Bruce Tarl to, ha- to have a bigger power. And that, this is, gives him a bonus, too. And then whenever you're playing any kind of spell, you're getting all kinds of other bonuses as well. Yeah. Um, it forces opponents. It's amazing how often your opponents feel like they have to get rid of this card over the card that it's benefiting. So it's like, oh, no, no, no. we got to get rid of the liege because then he's just going to play something else out. And that's going to get a benefit. And we're going to get hit with th- for three more damage. Or they're going to gain three life. It's just... It's, it's, it's a beautiful pump for, for Bruce Tarl. And it's kind of an insurance policy, too. It's something else that's big that's out there that needs to be dealt with. So Yeah. It's, yeah. it's everything that Firesong and Sunspeaker wanted to be. Right. Um, uh, Dictate of the Twin Gods kind of goes with Angrath's Marauders. It's just going to double your stuff. Which yep. so say you have either of these out, you attack with Bruce Tarl. Let's 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 use the example from before. You sure. deal first strike damage. Yep. It deals three to opponent. Now, yep. uh, with Kedis out, it's going to or sorry with Angrath's Marauders, it's going to deal six. Now, Kedis sees the six happen. And Bruce Tarl will deal six, turning into twelve to each of your other ones. Yeah. With lifelink, that's twenty-four for the other yeah. two, and uh, twelve, which or twenty-four and six. That's thirty on first strike alone. Yeah. You're gaining, and oh, then yeah. another thirty with normal. One, yeah. Once the doubling starts, this yeah. gets way out of hand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, I think they, that that's. That's that's what I think had like solidified this deck as me going whoa, maybe I need yeah. to pump the brakes with this because I mean um, like I I still have my life total here from when we played it at BrewCon, yeah, and it goes forty forty eight a hundred eight, yeah, uh, like it it's that fast, right? I have two questions. Um, the first one is Brass Taunter. Or yes. Does Brash Taunter do anything other than block? Um, depends. So Brash Taunter, um, you know, can block. Yeah. Uh, or if, for instance, it need like I need to just get a little bit more, uh, right. especially if I have Dictate or Angrath's Marauders out, uh, I can attack into Bruce Tar- or I can have it fight Bruce Tarl, um, and. If it still has lifelink, great. Uh, or right. you know, it is it is just another one of those kind of generically good red cards, uh, but it it definitely feels like it belongs here uh, because of the the damage multipliers. But also, uh, we're dealing with big numbers here, uh, right? And so, God, well, I, my other question was in relation to Cathar's Crusade. Now, obviously, that's a card that really that really thrives when you're dropping a ton of, you know, it's often seen with a ton of token creatures. Yeah. Now, so is the goal to have that out and be playing 
you know, playing in with, uh, you know, with, with, any, with any of the cards that are going to get you a ton of tokens? Or is that just sort of a, every time a creature comes out, Bruce Taro gets another plus one, plus one counter. And with a double strike, it counts for two more damage. Yeah. At least. Um, so we, we haven't gotten to it yet, but there is a, okay. a, a, a copy sub-theme yeah. um, that I haven't actually had do anything yet. I, I just okay. think I just haven't played the deck enough. Um, and honestly, I feel like it's not strong enough to really do much, but we'll, we'll get there to, in a second. But with Cathar's Crusade, yeah, it's, it's mostly just because with the double strike theme of the deck, whether it's through Bruce Tarl or, you know, literally anything else, um, a single counter is worth twice as much. Right. Um, so it really does do that double duty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's my my bing bong category. Um, okay. My my fast category is what I called it. Is just haste. Cloak of the bat is we so <laughs> we played we played uh, uh, yeah. Baldur's Gate right. We yeah. played Baldur's Gate. Uh, that's Tomorrow why I want to ask you about Cloak of the Bat too. And it easily became the talk of the town that night of of cloak of the bat is it just wins games um for two mana it's an equipment it gets down on the battlefield you equip it for two which like is sometimes a lot but like generally speaking especially with equipment giving something flying in haste for two yeah and you can do that with multiple creatures like you can do that like if that thing dies you can put it on something else run like an enchantment it's nuts. It really does its work for four mana. Uh, okay, because I was going to ask, because so many times when I'm playing out, a, the difficulty is the equip cost in addition to playing the creature. Like, equip two doesn't sound like a lot, but it suddenly is a lot when you've just played, uh, you know, a four mana or a five mana creature. Right. It's like, oh, okay. Especially when you're playing up to curve for those first five turns. I'm not sure how effective the haste part is on Cloak of the Bat. Now, don't get me wrong. Flying, okay, well, that opens up a whole new thing. And remember, this is this is straight. This is a straight artifact. This isn't a colored artifact. This can go in any deck. Yeah. So I appreciate. There's, you know, you've got white in here, and there is plenty of flying in white if you really want it. Right. But I mean, hello. So this is yeah. So I with, wasn't sure if the haste was helpful. Um, yes. Uh, okay. with, with our meta specifically, yeah. the games tend to go longer, right? Right. And you get Bruce Tarl down on four, and even if you can't equip it right away to the cloak, say cloak's already down, uh, the next turn you equip it and it can fly, mm-hmm. which is excellent. Right. But it also means that a lot more eyes are going to turn toward it because you're going to be doing these huge amounts of damage. And now... You know, all of a sudden, Bruce Charles costs six, you know, or eight. Yeah. Um, so later on in the game, you can get it out. The cloak is still sitting there, generally. Uh, and you'll be able to equip the cloak and then go right in. Um, and having Bruce Charles trigger twice on a turn means yeah. that it can target something else. Okay. Um, which is excellent, honestly, if you have other creatures and you don't feel bad about sending them in, um, right. having Bruce Charles come down, target something else, equip uh, 
equip the the cloak, have it attack, and then have it target itself. Then is is excellent. Sure. Uh, okay. Haunted cloak, uh, very similar. Uh, Vigilance trample haste instead of flying in haste. Um, you know, haunted cloak is three equipped for one, uh, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, Swiftfoot boots is you know two and one gives it hexproof, which is nice. Yeah. I also there was a, an earlier one where I I had uh, greaves in it, lightning greaves. But the thing about greaves is that it is shroud, uh, isn't it? It's shroud. So yeah. Bruce Tarle can't target itself if you give it yeah. the greaves. Uh, Perforos bronze blooded is in here for two reasons. One obviously gives uh, all your creatures haste, but it also has that like faux. Uh, secret attack what's it called sneak attack oh sneak attack yeah uh, you know three mana throw something sure. out uh from your hand and then obviously anger anger is just good um you know say you get say you you get uh archaeomancer's map down or uh something else that's going to draw you some cards uh master somronis you you have an easy an easy out for anger into the graveyard right um so there's that when we get back from break, because I need some water. Uh, yeah. When when we get back from break, we'll talk about the rest of the deck. It's got uh, some some wild things in here um, that honestly I forgot were in here. Maybe because I just haven't seen them played yet, uh, and how much I just want to play this deck more because it does big and silly things. <laughs> so we'll be right back. Okay. This episode of Temple of Fallspot is brought to you by Immovable Rod, when you can't quite budget. Welcome back, you fools. That's how to keep an audience, right? To yeah. insult them? Yeah, insult, insult we're, them. We're back today with uh, the rest of our deck tale. Ooh. Ooh. Um. And uh, we're talking about my Bruce Tarl. I dubbed it Bro. Uh, I dubbed it Brucon Bromance uh, because who doesn't love a good Bruce? Everyone I know does. Yeah, that's the spirit. Um, so we talked about haste. We talked about big damage. We talked about uh, ramp, kind of. Um, let's talk about how I expect to get through if, uh, you know, if all of my opponents have creatures, um, cloak of the bat, obviously, uh, we're, we're talking about my get through category. Um, yeah. Maul of the Skyclaves is an excellent card for three mana enters the battlefield. It immediately attaches to a creature, gives it flying and first strike first strike. Not as much going on there. But plus two, plus two, and flying is excellent for something that has double strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got that. And and when you use Mall of the Skyclaves, you get a free a free copy of the uh, Sky Mall. <laughs> if only. Um, I'm just saying that was the first thing I thought of when I heard the name of this card. I'm just like, oh, this is terrible. I'm only ever going to think about you know ridiculously overpriced items that no one actually really uses right it's just brookstone in the sky Um, yeah (laughs) i can't believe they're still 
a company. Anyways, sorry, Maul of Skyblade. I like this card. I, I just I get a real kick out of it. Um, I mean, plus two, plus two, flying first strike. It it's sort of a create your own angel kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the the biggest downside here is the the four mana equip cost. Yeah. Um, granted, you get a, you get one free, uh, and if you have any ways of flickering non creature okay. things, you can do that. Um, but overall, it's kind of like a one a one shot thing. Unless you right. know, plus two plus two flying and first strike make make it pretty difficult to ki- to 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 kill your creature. Yeah. Um, at least through combat. Um, my two favorite here uh, are Bond of Discipline and Cosmetronic Wave, which kind of go hand in hand. Uh, Bond of Discipline is uh, white and four for a sorcery. Tap all creatures your opponents control, which is amazing. Creatures you control gain lifelink till end of turn. Less pertinent. Just tapping all of your cre- all of your opponents' creatures is an amazing feeling because. Yeah. Uh, you know, they purposely left up creatures to block, and you're just negating those. Uh, and not only that, the person to your right can't untap for another two players. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, if you do it right, not only do you get a free swing, but you've, you're also likely the only one who could block. Yeah. So when your opponents get their chance, they have to... You know, they've got the opportunity to, I mean, like you said, the, the next person now has two opponents that they could swing at. And then the next person still has one opponent left yep. that they could swing at. So, um, yeah. Um, and then with Cosmetronic Wave, it's three in a red. So a little cheaper. Uh, Cosmetronic Wave deals one damage to each creature and uh, each creature your opponents control. Right. Uh, so you're already taking out one X1s. So most tokens, bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, say you have Angroth's Marauders out, and I've played a game against this deck with m- my wife, and uh, yeah. she did that and got rid of a bunch of my stuff. Um, yeah. And then the second thing it says is creatures your opponents control can't block this turn. Now, I've looked this up. That isn't just to the creatures that are out now. That's even if creatures come out during combat or before blockers or whatever. Like, creatures your opponents control, period, cannot block this turn. And that's pretty spicy. That is very nice. Um, especially if you're just going to roll right on through. Yep. Um, Aurelia is there. Uh, Exemplar of Justice, one of my favorite Aurelias. Out of the, like, three or four there are. Yeah, uh, I saw this one in there and I thought, oh, this is just spectacular with Bruce Tarl. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, she's a 2-5 for white-red 2. So, same cost as Bruce. 2-5 um, flying mentor. Mentor is whenever this creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on target attacking creature with lesser power. Not as helpful here, but that's okay. Uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose up to one target creature you control, Bruce Tarl. Until end of turn, that creature gets plus two, plus zero, gains trample if it's red. It is. And gains vigilance if it's white. It is. Uh, it's just it's just a lot of fun. Uh, and if Bruce dies, or you don't feel comfortable, like if, if Bruce has no opportunity on the ground to attack... Uh, you can just you can target Aurelia with those things, attack 
maybe with Bruce. And if you do with Bruce, he can throw the the double strike and lifelink up to Aurelia if need be. He, he can. But most of the time it's going to be helpful for Bruce because you're giving him trample. Right. Forget about Kedis for just a second. Just Bruce, Tarl, and Aurelia. Aurelia gives 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 Bruce plus two on the front end. So now you've got a five three. They go to combat. Bruce Tarl gives it gives himself double strike and lifelink. Oh, by the way, he's also getting trample and vigilance from Aurelia. So Bruce isn't isn't going to tap, mm. and he's going to swing for for five when you're doing first strike damage. And if any of that does, if you don't need, if the if the blocker is only a three three, two of it goes over, and then the next round is another five points of damage. I mean, this thing, adding Aurelia to the mix is just nasty. And hey, I mean, I, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility to imagine a situation with Bruce Tarl, Kedis, and Aurelia. Oh yeah, definitely. Because I mean, it's two commanders and and one creature. I yeah. mean, that's five. <clears throat> five first strike, five more on the follow-up. I mean, you're doing ten. Yeah. You're doing ten to each of the opponents. You didn't even attack. And your creature's untapped. It's just sitting there waiting to block on the next turn. I mean, oof. Just, just, oh. Yeah, no, yeah. Aurelia is amazing. Um, I love it. And, uh, yeah, Vorak Battlehorns give something trample and, uh, opposite of Menace. Right. Um. Yeah, just so you can't gang up on Bruce Tarl. Yeah. To kill it. Uh, and it's, you know, two and then one to equip, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, gonna go quickly over to Protection. Uh, this is just to kind of keep things alive, or I mean, with some some cases of these things, it's to get it through. So, Commander's Plate. Uh, it was a card that I had, but also uh, it's one mana artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus three, plus three, and protection from each color that's not in your commander's identity. So, black, green, and blue. Which more importantly, it also means that anything that your deck does to the commander is still good to go. Yeah. So you're not getting, you know, there's so many cards that give you, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, protect, you know, in this case, protection from red, which makes good sense, but it stops a bunch of your cards from doing stuff to Bruce Tarl yeah. that you want to happen. Right. So having a card like this, I mean, Bruce Tarl just got, what, pro black, Scary. pro blue, pro green. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hard, hard to just, like, I mean, you know, can't bounce it can't uh well you know you can still rift it but uh can't uh murder it yeah um it's great um and the equip cost for your commander is only three yeah which is excellent so So, i mean he immediately becomes a six six and that's without anything else six six with double strike (laughs) and life link uh avison's memorial uh also have not drawn this card yet uh, it's an eight mana, <laughs> indestructible legendary artifact. Other legendary permanents you control have indestructible. Uh, it's a lot. It's 
fine. I had it, so I put it in. Yeah. Uh, Archangel Avacyn, kind of the same, but, uh, you know, I'm never going to probably... I don't know. I, I guess I could transform it. Uh, but, I mean, it's mostly here because when it enters, creatures you control gain indestructible till end of turn. She's Flash. Uh, but, I mean, that also led me to do Boros Charm, which, for two mana, permanents you control gain indestructible till end of turn, which is excellent. Uh, and will really uh, set your opponents back if they mm -hmm. did try to wipe the board. Yep. Um, and then Mirror Entity. Mirror Entity is nutso in this deck. Um, you get Mirror Entity out, you know, one turn. And then the next turn, say, you're untapped. You attack with Bruce Tarl. Your opponents <laughs> will look at that and be like, I need to block. There's there's no way I can't block. Because if you're untapping with Mirror Entity, Bruce Tarl can easily become 6, 7, 7, yeah. 8, 8. You know, it's easy to just win the game right there. Um, Mirror Entity messes messes with combat so bad. Your opponents, they're going to look... When they see Bruce Tarl coming in, one, you have, you have to have a removal. You yeah. have to have the removal. Because... Now you don't know, or you have to be prepared to to lose whatever you're blocking with. And the best part is, a lot of times you don't even have to activate mirror entity. Mm. You wait and see who they're blocking with. Like, oh, I can kill that without even pumping anything into mirror entity. I'm going to save that four mana, that five six mana, and use it to cast something else. But you force them to to block in a particular way, or. Yeah. Or to not block at all because they're afraid of losing their creature. It's like, oh, okay, so I'm only going to deal six double strike, six with the double strike this time instead of ten. Right. But I get to save five mana so that I can, you know, I can then turn around and cast Archangel Avacyn. You know, yeah. it's just, it's so good that way. It's so good as an onboard trick that can, you know, Sometimes you use it, and sometimes you don't have to. And that's just, it's just yeah. perfect, because your opponents are, are hosed either way. Um, and I have this under protection because often you yeah. get to points where people are, you know, doing damage, like direct damage to, say, Proust Tarl. And right. it takes four, four mana to just be like, okay, you don't bolt my creature to death, you know? Uh, right. So there's that. Uh, and I mean, we've, you know, we've been talking about how we've been dealing with plus one counters, plus one counters and mirror entity are best friends. Like it's just, it's oh, yeah. absurd. Um, yeah. so I had mentioned this before, um, and there's a bit of a sub theme of copies. And I think that this was mostly spurred on because I had a Kiki Jiki that I was just like, I don't know when else am I going to play this? So might right. as well be Brucon. Uh, so I have Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker. Uh, it's red, red, red two with haste for a two, two. Uh, it's never going to attack because when it taps or you can tap it to put a creature token in them to play, that's a copy of target non-legendary creature you control. That creature token has haste, sacrifice it at the end of turn. Uh, there's not too many targets here. Uh, you can target tokens, which is cool. Um, but I also have mirror box in here 
because I had one. Uh, mirror box, three mana artifact. Says the legend mm -hmm. rule doesn't apply to permanents you control. Each legendary creature you control gets plus one, plus one. Each non-token creature you control gets plus one, plus one for each other creature you control with the same name as that creature. So, obviously, it, this isn't... This is in by no means helps each other. Uh, but the mirror box gives way to uh, being able to have copies, say, with Blade of Selves. Um, right. I would say, even with Kiki-Jiki not being able to target legendary creatures, I mean... Angrath Marauder. Wow, two copies. Yeah. Balefire Liege. Your creature. I mean, Bruce Charles getting plus four, plus four. You're doing six damage if you cast a red spell. I mean, there, there are targets out there. Yeah. There are plenty. So. And you mentioning that actually brought up a sore memory of mine. Thanks, Bruce. I was playing sure. against this deck. Uh, my wife was playing it. And she had Felhide Spearbinder out. So whenever it says Felhide Spearbinder, whenever it becomes untapped, you pay one and a red. If you do, put a token copy onto the battlefield that's a copy of another target creature, except it's an enchantment in addition to its other types. It gains haste, exile at the beginning of the next end step. Mm -hmm. So you know what she did? Every turn, she had two Angrass Marauders out because yeah. she just kept copying it. Why not? And then she played uh what was it she played cosmetronic wave dealing one two four damage to each creature yeah completely wiping my board and then just one face because beautiful uh and that's that's what these copies are here for uh felhide spirit binder uh, uh but these things are just helping you get creatures to then kiki jiki if you want uh flame shadow conjuring kind of the same thing as Felhide, but uh a little bit more one-timey thing right uh blade of selves i would love to uh <laughs> the funny thing with blade of selves is that the copy the copies are coming in already attacking so you're not going to be getting like multiple bruce tarl triggers right uh and the copies aren't your commander so you know kettis isn't going to be uh, doing a lot, except you ready for this? Attach Blade of Selves to Kettis. Now you're getting a trigger on each Kettis for each time Bruce Tarl hits. I mean, you're also getting a Kettis for each time Kettis hits, but uh, say you, now you have three Kettises. Right. Bruce Tarl hits an opponent for, let's go with the, the example from before, hits for three now you have three Kettis triggers. So each other opponent gets nine to their face. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's first that strike. That's first strike. Nine so more for the next that's one. nine, nine, and three. So that's 21 damage uh, total, which means you gain 21. And that's just first yeah. strike. So regular right. strike, it happens again. Uh, Blaze Elves, bro broken card. Who knew? Um, well, so I mean, like, to be fair, if you're going to equip it to Kedis, you also do you do also have to have the mirror box out because hmm. Blade of Selves doesn't yeah. uh, doesn't go yeah. around the legend rule all by no. itself. So you um, do need some help there, but oh yeah, it's, it was definitely like a thing where I was like, all right, I have these few cards. Uh, yeah, let's see if it makes a theme at all. And like it was a wibbly wobbly, an idea of copies. Um, 
It was mostly like, if I draw these cards, let's figure it out then. Um, and I believe I've only drawn Felhide's Period Binder out of these seven cards. Because who knew? This deck goes fast. Yep. What else we got here? Draw. Draw is pretty, pretty average. It probably could use better draw. All this draw is four and six mana. Uh, wedding Ring? Uh... <laughs> Cards, cards, crazy. Have you played with this card before? No. Okay, I have. No, I have seen it played, but I have not played with it. So this card, uh, it's white, white two for an artifact. When it enters yeah. the battlefield, if it was cast, target opponent creates a target that's a copy of, or t- token that's a copy of it. Yeah. When an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring draws a card during their turn, you draw a card. So, you know. Say I give it to you. Every time I draw a card on my turn, you draw a card. Every time you draw a card on your turn, I draw a card. And then the same with life gain. So every time I gain life on my turn, you gain life. Every time you gain life on your turn, I gain life. Oof. So imagine this in a two-player game. <laughs> no, that's, that's not what I want to do. I played this with my wife. You know, ah, wedding ring, couple, uh-huh. whatever. Um, she had to stop, slow down, and realize that every time she was attacking me, gaining life with this deck, yeah. uh, I then turned around and also gained that life. Granted, it's a triggered ability, so if she just hits me hard enough, um, I don't gain yeah. that life. Right. Uh, but... She was attacking with lifelink creatures. <laughs> and it would bring me down to seven and then back up to 23. You know, like, it was that kind of, like, oh, geez, this game's going nowhere. Right. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing in a two-player game. <laughs> it's kind of stupid. Uh, but I have not seen this in a four-player game. I'd love to see it. Uh, Combustible Gear Hulk, just, again, just, it's either card draw or damage, and that's all I want in life. Uh, Archon of Coronation. I'll tell you um, what I want in life. Mm-hmm. I want to be playing Broody Clad and have somebody else play the Wedding Ring and give me a token copy of the Wedding Ring. You're messed up, Bruce. Oh, I'll make 15 of these Wedding Rings and then, I, oh boy, will I draw. End game life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, <laughs> I gotta stop and think about that for a bit. Just sucks when you want to go to attack, though. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't have any creatures. Um, Archon of Coronation uh, enters the battlefield to become Monarch. As long as you're the Monarch, damage doesn't cause you to lose life. Excuse me. Uh, when a creature deals combat damage to you, its controller still becomes the Monarch. It's just that you don't lose life. Right. Um, which is cool. It's just a cool card. Um, yeah. Honestly, I'd probably switch that out for... Emberwild Captain, if that's not in here already. Honestly, like, if, like, I think we can just walk into wrapping this thing up. Yeah. Things that I want to change about this deck. I think I can just scrap the whole copies thing. I wanted to see some cards in action that I haven't ever played. You know, your Kiki Jikis, your Jaxuses, your Mirror Box. I wanted to see how they felt. I didn't draw them. That's fine. Whatever. I can move on. But I think that the thing that this deck wants to do is that Bruce Tarl Kedis 
you know, partnership. Oh yeah. Um, and I think getting rid of that, that thing, you know, it lets you draw more, you know, uh, I can do more keyword soupy stuff with yeah. more than just Audric or a Chroma's will. Um, I could possibly do more cheat step stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I don't know. Like, I think the thing that this one would want to do more of is just that, like, find a way to do damage and do it, you know? Um, yeah. Whether it's Torbranny or, you know, Dictated Twin God style, ty- style stuff, I think it's fine. I mean, the thing that this deck wants to do is that Bruce Tarl Kettis thing, which is bonkers. I mean... Oh, yeah. I look at my... Especially with even just a moderate amount of pump. Yeah. Uh, I love the the, the the flying or trample to give you a little more evasion. Um, yeah. I mean, the danger, of course, is that... I mean, it's probably a good idea to expand on, say, the wide category a little bit. If you're going to take out... If you're going to take those seven cards out of your copy section... Because boy, the last thing you want is to have all your eggs in that one ba- that one Voltron basket, yeah, and just have it not, you know, because there's going to come up. You're going to run into games where people are just going to be like, "No, that's got to go," because they're yeah. going to know, or they're going to chump it, right? Which is exactly what happened. Um, well, but I, I mean, even if they chump it, you gain a pile of life, right? So, to an extent, I mean, so yeah. like that's that's kind of <clears throat> where the double strike falters a little. Is that if the sure, thing's dead by regular... Yeah. Um, but, like, the thing that this deck... Like like I said, within the, like, a span of a few turns, I was at 100 life. It was easy. Yeah. It was quick. <laughs> it, it was sudden. Yeah. Um, and then I for the rest of the turn, or for the rest of the game, it was 98, 96. Like, I was taking a little bit of damage here and there. Um, and then, you know, I, I just went right back up at my next turn um but the thing was was that i you know it it was a four player game me and one of my opponents had successfully taken out two of our opponents right uh this was i think it was you liz and ian Mm -hmm. uh and me and it was down to me and liz liz had uh their krav regna deck and it was wasn't so much about the flying it was so much it was there there was a lot of tokens and there was a bit of aristocraty stuff but being at 100 life it's not a huge problem for me right um that is until uh you make your creatures unblockable and i lose to commander damage <laughs> Which I mean, like, is you know, that's like the reason commander damage exists, right? Is because of like life gain stuff, uh, and I like it was it was it had come down to if if they didn't kill me that turn, I would have killed them immediately. Like it was it was right. that close, you know. Um, it was a beautiful game where we both got well over hundred life, uh, and honestly, I had a blast. Because this deck is explosive. Uh, it comes out of the gate fast. Um, if you let it. Um, don't don't slow play this one. Just do just Just go. Uh, just go. Just do like do the thing that you think of first and don't look back. That's uh, what Boros wants. 
It's amazing. I love the deck. I love decks like this where it's, you know, you're focused in on one, one particular setup. Um, and then as long as you have the backup so that you can, you know, so every, once people start keying on one part of it, you can jump to something else. I love that. Yeah. And I think that that would be, uh, I think that's going to be fun with this deck. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, I had, I had built it for Brucon, but I think I'm going to keep it together for a little bit longer. Right. Get a few more games in with it because it just, yeah. it felt really good. Um, you know, there, there are those things that we talked about before. Um, but I think that like, uh, the the changes here are minor you know get rid of the copy sub theme maybe get rid of so much double strike stuff and like turn into trample or turn into flying turn into like honestly flying might be the way to go because uh more so for the blockers because if you can have flying blockers you're impenetrable like uh right that's really the thing here um but I'm going to have the list in the description below. If yeah. you are looking for an updated version of the list, just reach right out to me. Uh, you can reach me at falsepodmtg on Twitter. Um, we'll have all that contact stuff at the end. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, we've got only a few more episodes left of the season. If there's something you want to hear about, let us know. That's how we do things here at the Temple of False Pod. We're decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Yeah, you are. Uh, we'll be back next week with a cool episode. Surely, because they're all cool. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, give us a follow. Share us with any and all of your friends, even if they don't like magic. It's a good time here. Have a great night. May your fifth land be the temple. Bye. Wait, wait. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at Manaburned, and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, Like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!